Guys, welcome back to the NFT Talks podcast. As usual, I always have amazing guests. And today I've got an interesting guest uh, because he's been in the NFT space for a while. Um, founder of a, a quite of a big NFT project that one thing I'd like to speak about before we actually get into it, um, I feel that this the NFT space is fast paced, a lot of things going on. And we can kind of focus on the main projects of getting all the exposure but there's a lot of projects that may go under the radar that a lot of people don't know about that are doing amazing things and this is one of the projects uh, I have the founder of Bogu Collective uh, Andrew Drayton how are you doing good man thank you so much for having me I'm excited to be here yeah I'm excited to have you on because we've got so much to speak about uh, we can we can kind of have a little chat about how much the NFT space has changed over the time especially when it comes to PFP projects uh, also, just the, the journey, uh, especially of a PFP project from when you entered the space uh, to how things are now. Um, there's a, a lot of change, including the, the type of people that collect uh, the behaviors of the space. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's, it's all exciting. But um, before we get into that, Andrew, just give me a bit of a background uh, about yourself and yeah. how, you, how did you find yourself in this crazy <laughs> <How> space? <laughs> well, yeah, how I fell into the NFT space. So, um, so basically, you know, pretty standard, um, worked in business, worked in sales, uh, hated the corporate lifestyle. So moved to LA, uh, spent four years there, uh, wanted to just be a part of the, the creativity and, and making and building something creative and, and be around like other creative people. Uh, I loved it. It, it was a blast. Um, and actually the very, very first film I ever worked on there was a student film that we shot up in the hills of Malibu, gorgeous, gorgeous million dollar house. And that's where I met uh, Jason, who ended up being the co-founder of this, like the very first thing I worked on. Like I got to LA and I Googled, like I'm not, I should have planned this better, but yeah. I get to LA and I Google, how do you work in film? Like my first day, I'm like, I'm, my, luckily I have an uncle there. So I was able to stay and live with him for free or otherwise I never would have been able to do it. So I'm like, how do you work in film, right? And it's like, get a PA gig. I'm like, I don't know what that is. What's a PA, right? So it was all just Google the first like week of, of LA. So I show up knowing nothing at, at, at this first set and I end up meeting Jason and we've been friends ever since. Um, but after a while, like film is, film is hard. You can be out there for 10 years and achieve, you know, nothing and never really make it. You could be there for two years and hit and, and have a full-time career. Um, for me, it was like, I was doing really good. You know, I moved my way up to being a prop master, working in an art department, working on some good productions. Uh, I was with a small production company, but it looked like nothing was really going to hit to where like it was a career. Mm. So I, I left and went back to the business world to just to make more money, hated every minute of it. Um, throughout this whole time, I was into crypto. I've always been a gaming nerd, a tech nerd. I love all that stuff. So been buying Bitcoin, Ethereum, XRP, Litecoin, you know, I've been buying all that stuff for years. Um, my very, very first NFT, I missed CryptoKitties. CryptoKitties was a long, long time ago. I missed that. So I bought what was called Tron Dogs. Okay. <laughs> which was this, it was a BS project. It was the CryptoKitties, but for Tron, it's terrible. It's my first rug pull. Yeah. Yeah. So my first rug pull was before a lot of people even bought their first NFTs, like years ahead of before anyone even bought their first NFTs. So um, that kind of soured me for, for NFTs and collect digital collectibles. But uh, I actually got back into it with, uh, with Topshop because yeah. I said, this is, I, I got the business model, right? Like as a business person, you're like, I get it. I know why this works. I can see this working. And then at that time, 
is when people, the crypto punks were going really big and people were starting to talk about some of the projects that were upcoming, the PFP projects. So it was like right around the time that Board Ape Yacht Club was, was starting right before they sold. And I was like, I need to make an NFT. So I, that's where I brought in Jason. And oh, I was like, we need to do something. Like we have to, we have to do something. You have the art. I have the business brain. We got to come up with something. And, and that's kind of how we started. At that point, Andrew, uh, and tell me, tell me if you agree. At that point, the only thing that people were talking about is at least create a PFP project. Um, right. Because right. that was that was the only thing that was really out there as an NFT. I mean, apart from NBA Top Shots. Um, yeah. Yeah, there was, there wasn't, that's what, and this is for people who are getting in the space and you're like, you know, why is X copy? Why is ferocious? Like, why are these people so big? Back then there really was only PFP projects. Yeah. So the very, the few people that were launching on like a, like nifty gateway with people, right. The few artists that had that Avenue ended up becoming, and that's why they're still super successful today is because they got these fans a year ago mm-hmm. and, you know, cause they've been in it for so long. So there were, there was a core group of one-of-one artists that were successful, but as a one-of-one artist, you couldn't really just step into the, into the space. Mm-hmm. Like we have a, a, we call it the Vogue council. There are, we're very literary driven. So there are narrative driven characters in our world. They're the very first characters that Jason created. We put them up on OpenSea for sale before we did anything Vogue and it, they never sold. Two, three weeks, they didn't sell. That's when we realized you can't just make one of one art, hang it up and people buy it, right? Because that's a lot of people think, oh, NFTs are easy. You just make art, you put it on and see it sells. It doesn't work like that. You can get lucky, but that's like anything in the world, right? Any, even art, you can hang up art and someone sees it, you become popular. It just happens. Um, didn't happen for us when we hosted it. So yeah, it was really, really hard to get noticed unless you were doing a big PFP project and, and, and had some attention and marketing behind it. Yeah, and I mean to go to move, to add to what you already said, I think a big part of that would be, and you talk, I know you're going to talk about it in your project is having a st- telling a story that something that people can buy into. Like I yeah. feel that people feel that they look at the NFT space and people just buy into anything. Where there are jibs, there are bits of it. Don't get me wrong. People just do, <laughs> some people just buy random things, but generally the the things that do sell that you you'd have to market it in the same way you would market something in the real world. And you tell a story and give somebody some value to reason why they would buy that, some emotional connection, whatnot. And I know that's something that you guys are focused on uh, heavily from the beginning um, with your projects. So, um, yeah, like, like just dig a bit more deep into obviously the Vogue collection, because I know it's very, it's deep. I'd like to consider it's a deep project because it isn't just like, okay, it's a picture, this is what's going on, you can get these utilities to it. Like, there's so much thought. Uh, there's a story behind it and it makes sense obviously with your background looking into <laughs> yeah yeah you get it <laughs> yeah no so like so basically as we were building it i agree with you and i think we we started to lean into it heavy this this these past few months um because our project slowed down and now you know we went from being a top three project in the world you know for the for our first month you know to not even a top 100 right now and so what we're trying to really lean into again is I believe a lot of these NFT PFP projects, I call them identity, like projects, like a, a brand identity. Um, and it's the same, like you, you'll see board ape holders all the time, right? They're like, oh, I wore my hoodie and, and no one said anything, right? But, and, and I, I've commented a few times on Twitter where it's like, yeah, but if you wear a Supreme hoodie or a Gucci hoodie, no one says anything to you. Cause mm-hmm. it's not, it's not about them saying something. What you're doing is portraying an identity of yourself. 
right? Like if I'm going to wear some Vans hoodie or a band t-shirt or something, I'm trying to portray a little bit of my personality. It's how we, how we display our individuality as, as, as humans, right? And that's in the, the physical world. And it's the same in the digital world. We just don't have as many ways to do it, but now we're starting to get it, right? And it's just like when, when I'm old. So like when MySpace came out, you had to make the right profile picture to show off who you were. If you wanted to be a party person, you'd show yourself drinking a beer or something, right? Like, so you always wanted to portray yourself. And it's the same thing with these identities, right? So I felt for one on the uh, brand identity side, we needed to show off and we're still trying to, to hone in how, how to do it, right? This is the hard part for NFT projects. How do we show who we are? What is our identity, right? Supreme did a great job of that. Like, you know what Supreme is when you put it on. They've done that. They're a merch company. Like Lego, Disney, experts at this stuff, right? So for, for us, it's like, how do we portray, like, what does having a Vogue as a PFP project portray, right? It's one thing for me to say like, oh, we're creatives, we support, it's great for me to say all that stuff, right? But I, I can't explain it to everybody. If someone sees me wearing this hoodie, I need to, someone needs to say Vogue and then in their head go, oh, that, that person likes creative things. That person likes tech. That person's yeah. a nerd in some facet of their life, right? So that was a focus, right? Like how can we build a good brand identity that people will relate to? And then with my entertainment background, knowing how Hollywood works, at some point, I, I'm actually blown away it hasn't happened yet. And I'm mad it isn't us because I'm like, shoot, if someone would have given us a chance, I think we could have been first to market. At some point there will be a, and a, like Huxley's doing a good job of it. They got a producer, we'll see uh, how their distribution goes. But like at some point there will be a movie that is made from an NFT IP, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, we could go self I know how to make a movie for 20 grand. That's what you do when you start off, right? So like, I could go make a really terrible Vogue movie, but it's like Netflix will do it. You know, Warner will do it. Universal, someone, that robot, someone's going to take a, an IP from the NFT world and they're going to make a movie. And I looked at it and I said, okay, you got Bored Apes and their story is, we're bored. I'm like, that's not a good platform to build a movie off of. You still can. I mean, like, yeah. you know, and then it's like, you know, gutter cats, you start to understand their brand identity. You get it. So it's like, but do they have like the literary universe and lore behind the gutter cats to, for like a, a movie exec to be like, I get it. I know how to write a script to that. I know exactly who to partner you with and, and attach mm -hmm. for us. I was like, let's do the hard work first and let's build this platform build an entire universe and build a world so that when we go pitch it we did and when we went and pitched it you lay out the literary universe and movie people are like yep all right i get that they get it right away they know how to tell stories they've done it their entire career that's their job so when you lay out the the basis of a universe i don't need to be like it's an action film set in three Right. I just say it's space. We live on, you know, humans interact on, on the planets using robots. Humans live in, in spaceships. And then the, the creative juices flow. Right. And you're like, oh, I can make an action out of that. I can make a comedy. We could do it. You know, they'll know it. So we we built this foundation that we can take and pitch to entertainment companies, producers, production companies and be like, what do you want? Do you want a comedy? Do you want an action? We've got the world for it. Let's build it. Yeah, yeah, and the, and that's the you, one thing you focus on is is branding, which is important. Um, and thinking about it that early is just says how much you believed in what the NFT space was going to be. Yeah. Because it's okay, it's one thing saying that now, but at that <laughs> time, 
it yeah. was still a bit like okay I mean I don't know about yourself but I've, I, was, I was very passionate about it very involved but I was still trying to grasp and say what is this going to be like okay I understand the NFTs what it's capable of the technology but what's happening with these PFP projects why are people buying it what are people going to do with it like now we've seen all the partnerships and whatnot um, which right. is incredible and I think we're all still like we're all still figuring it out and I think yeah. that like you know give the you have to give us us so you know the project the project founders you have to give us credit on certain things yeah. but also like the other half of it's just community being excited and going crazy over little things because mm. if you look at like the board apes is the biggest project in the space never once did they ever say we're going to have celebrities buy our stuff we're mm. going to do a metaverse and we're going to create a coin they never said that no we're bored uh hang out with us, use your IP, however you want. That was it. That was what they said. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, Oh my God, look at them delivering on this roadmap of exactly what they said they were going to do. That evolved, right? Like they didn't know moon pay was going to come in and start giving it to Right. Like, so all of, a lot of what happens with these projects is, is evolving, mm -hmm. right? Like it's, it's just us reaching out, like me just reaching out to Netgear. Hey, mm -hmm. We're at, we want to be tech friendly. We're, we're nerdy. We want to kind of partner with the net company. What does that look like? Netgear doesn't know. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. We want it to happen, but we don't really know how we make that work yet. And it's the same, it's the same thing for any of these, if these companies. It's like, even if you have, unless you have like a very, very specific, we are going to make an animated short. That's what we're doing. Right. And that's like the only thing you're going to execute on. But most of us, most of these PFP projects, we're really trying to figure out what does the space want? What can I do to generate secondary sales? What can I do to build that brand identity? And, and just executing on stuff isn't always the most important thing, right? It's about the market reaction to what you execute on, which makes it really, really hard for, for project founders because there isn't a roadmap to success. We don't really know what to do. Right. No one does. Even Bored Apes don't. Right. Anything they did could have backfired. Yeah. Right. So they just luckily for them, the community and market has responded so well to everything they've done. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's really hard for us. So it's like we need credit, but the community, I think, also needs a lot of credit because just just from a project side, just executing on something doesn't always mean, you know, the market's going to respond. That, that's true. And the market and like you said, the market will decide whether it they want they want it or not and i think one thing to answer this question i want to ask you is um yeah. concepts I've, I've i always explain pfp projects that people are buying into ideas they're not the communities are being created out of nothing i mean the board apes was just a concept and an idea and at the start and obviously it's, it's created something now but like you said it wasn't particularly anything to say that we're into skateboarding we're into they weren't trying right. to connect to any community it came the community was kind of built and now we can kind of say, okay, then anyone that collects a board ape, there may be this kind of person. I mean, we, we could ask, we still could scratch our head and say, yeah, I, it, because of celebrities and then there's normal guys, that have, early guys that have been in the NC space and then whoever- I think that's, and I, I agree with you, I think that might be board ape's biggest challenge is, is what's that brand identity. Yeah. Because, and because they've let the, the IP out and, they, and they've let people go build characters and things like that, like a Jenkins Valley and everything, like, you know, are they going to suffer from this vague identity mm -hmm. that when you're new to the space or you're not a huge NFT person, but we're talking public and consumers are going to go, I don't get it. Mm. Right. Because in the NFT space, it's very easy. Well, oh, it's a board ape. It's the best. You got to have a board ape. A general public consumer 
right? Who sees uh, that Madonna owns a board ape is going to go, oh shoot, Madonna owns a board ape. Why does she own a board ape? Yeah. I don't know, right? It's <laughs> like when when you know Pharrell Williams slaps on Off White, you're like, yo, Off White is dope because Pharrell Williams is a certain type of person, mm-hmm. and that if he wears that sh- that that clothes, then then it's reflecting that type of person. So I want to wear Off White because cool people also wear it, and I want to be associated with them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like. Is that what people are going to look at with board apes? Do they want to be associated with everyone else that owns a board ape? So, like, that's the that's the hard part, I think, on the branding side for us. It's 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 not easy. Yeah, I feel like the board apes at the moment. I know we've we kind of talk about because it's, it's the biggest project. At, uh, at it's the, a, it's the easiest example to talk about, but yeah. it's it's what it represents. Is like if you own a board ape, then the floor price is this. You know what I mean? God knows what doesn't matter when you bought it because <laughs> it's it's you've, you've you know you got around maybe. Right. At least three hundred thousand dollars in your sitting account, your or uh, sitting on your wallet and whatnot. So, um, and you're getting all you get getting all these airdrops and whatnot, uh, which are, I think that's nothing that helped board apes is that anything they dropped airdrops. The market loved it. The market loved it. Another thing too, uh, which we're good, we can kind of spin on to you, your guys' journey is execution mm-hmm. on the the actual drop, which is so important. I think yep. it's even more so now because it's there's so many people that are not familiar with the crypto space and wallets they don't know they're just entering the space there's so many things that they can do wrong so the onboarding process needs to be on point i feel otherwise people are going to leave the space like you said yeah bitter because they lost out on something they did something that go right so this i mean i know you guys dropped uh, in july um mm-hmm. just talk about your experience yeah. Of when you guys dropped your project and yeah, we so, could explain the pro- we're kind of like going around it and there's listeners that don't know explain what the project is about i think that is so people can kind of yeah yeah right. so so we we came up with the vogue collective um and, and this our story behind it is important because it gets to our identity but so the vogue collective it's it's 7777 uh individual nft pfps and it's all based on our literary story where in the future, uh, thanks to rampant consumerism and capitalism, we've destroyed Earth. We can't really live there anymore. So humans escaped to the stars and we live in these uh, huge ships that we call seeds. And they are very sterile, lacking personality, not a lot of room. So they're not the best place to really culture and, and hang out, right? Like you can't really spend too much time there. You also, what kind of, you, you can't, there's no resources on the ships, right? So you still have to go to the planets to mine resources um, and, and essentially work. So they developed a technology in our world uh, called the Tether Assisted Robotic Skeleton or a TAR, T-A-R, T-A-R-S. Um, so very ready, ready player one, like the person will put on the you know virtual reality set, will tether in and now they control this robot. Mm-hmm. And in our world, that started as work right it started as an occupation and then it got to to the point and this is our mirroring of the metaverse right now is that people wanted to socialize as their as their robot as this avatar of themselves and so there started to become this personalization of the tars and so the vogue collective is our first release of these hyper personalized robots 
that people will use to interact and, and hang out on the surface of planets. So on planets now, you'll, you'll plug in and then you'll go hang out with a bar at a bar with your friends, right? You'll go to a horse trace with your friends. So to us, it's all just mirroring and emulating what we do now in the NFT space is where we log into an, you know, an anonymous NFT uh, Twitter account and we hang out with our friends or we log into the central land or sandbox or whatever, right? And we hang out with, with our other NFT buddies that all have cartoon pictures as our avatars. So that's kind of like how we, we envision the future of the world is we're now these anonymous robots you don't really know who the person is behind it, right? You're just hanging out with your favorite, you know, your favorite, your buddy Frank, who knows who Frank actually is, yeah. but you like to hang out with them on the surface of Mars or something, right? Um, and so, yes, we launched in, in July to crazy success. Uh, and back then, there was no roadmap to like how you launched an NFT project. There was no Google, like if you Googled NFTs, there really no videos, nothing. So to find I had everything set up except for a dev. Mm. You couldn't find devs. Like everyone's like, oh, just get a dev. Gold dust at that point. I mean, I should, really, yeah, I remember. Really hard. <laughs> and you kept them close, right? Like, and, and you know, if I had, um, you know, if I had DM'd, you know, Gutter Cats or like Dan or, or Gargon, like if I DM those guys, their projects had just launched. They're getting 300,000 DMs a day. They don't have time to talk to someone they've never met before, right? Like they'll help out their community, but it's like, hey, can I use your devs? Can I use your devs? Can I use your devs? You don't really get responses, right? And so I reached out to a, an ex, a friend of mine who's an ex Google employee. And I was like, do you know anyone that's doing anything blockchain? Because NFTs are just blockchain development. So if you can find someone who's done blockchain for a while, so that's what we did. We found someone who, who um, they had done blockchain before. They had a company doing like enterprise blockchain solutions. They've mm -hmm. done solidity development before. They've done because this NFTs existed in, in a in a corporate way before, like custodial wallets and then putting some data in. So like they've done stuff like that before. They just never done a generative robot project because no one had done a generative robot project before we came in, right? Um, so we built out everything with them. It was it was super great. It was awesome. Um, but getting into probably where you're leading up to, like our initial drop day we had issues with, so the web three part of this development on the tech side is, is the website. So that'll be where you connect your wallet and then it connects you to the contract. So that's all your web three part of it. So our web three stuff, we had a web developer, but he doesn't, he, now he knows more, but he didn't know anything about web three, right? He didn't know how to code that. Okay. So our developers are like, I'll, I'll put it all together into a, in a repository and you can just put it up super simple, right? So he put up the website, everything's super simple. What we missed was part of the process of connecting your wallet was set up for a, a much slower system that was more on the enterprise level where you would connect your wallet and then you would receive a bunch of information back from Infura, which is an, is an API, which you, you call for information, right? So. Um, when you would connect your wallet on our Mint site, it would ask Infura five or six questions, right? Every time you clicked connect wallet. We had so many people connecting to our website that with, with, within a minute, I mean, it was, it, the time was crazy. We had 90,000 requests to yeah. Infura within very, very short period of time, which naturally from them, triggered a DDoS protection where they just blacklist your server and you're no longer allowed to give any requests. Okay. Which then 
pretty much crashed your website because you can't connect wallet. And, and again, this was very, very early. So we weren't, we had no idea what was happening. Um, I'm in a discord. We're talking to a thousand plus people live and everyone's like, the website's down, the website's down. And I'm like, and I'm, I, I'm a very, I'm a, I'm not a crazy perfectionist, but I'm very, very harsh if things don't go well. So I'm like furious. I'm just so mad that we didn't execute well. Um, but it's like, it's not the time to be like, why is everything going wrong? I'm going to yell at people, right? It was like, what do we do? Yeah. Again, no roadmap. No one's ever ran into this really issue before, <laughs> right? So, so we decided, you know, no one can mint from the website. Only people that were able to mint were the ones who knew how to interact with the contract directly. Okay. Back in July of last year, there's five people in space plus whatever devs, right? That knew how to do that. So there's maybe five or 10 people minting right now. And there's 20,000 people that want to, you know, mint. Um, super unfair. Yeah. And so I like, I had to make the call to pause the mint. I knew it was, I knew it was going to hurt us. And I, I thought, I kind of thought that it was over at that point. I said, well, this is going to, this is going to kill the project. Yeah. No one's going to forgive us. Um, so we paused it. Lucky for us, there was, if there was, if we did that today, I think our project would have died, right? Like there's just too much, there's too much going on right now. Our project probably would have died. No one would have given us a second chance. It's also kind of inexcusable now because there's, there is a roadmap. Like you can go find them on Fiverr if you want a dev and they would probably do an okay job. So like back then I think it was excusable. Now it's not. So luckily we, we launched again the second day. People gave us a chance and, and we sold out. Um, so that was crazy. That was like the best and worst days of, of my life. It was pretty crazy. So much it sounds like a lot of pressure, but once again, like community back then, even now, like um, when things go wrong, I mean, like tell me, like in Discords, it can get quite uh, quite vicious. Um, Brutal, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for, for project leads, and like, I don't know, other project leads will be like, mm-hmm, 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 you know, but it's, it's very, very, very hard to be a project lead in the space because the, the access and the level of access the community has to you is unprecedented. It's just, it's just crazy how much access and how direct that access is and how it's expected. Like I receive a ton of DMs every day and it's like, it's criticisms, it's advice. It's some of it is very well-intentioned, right? Like you should be doing this, 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 and this. And they really truly feel this is what you should be doing. They don't have any of the information that you have, right? But, but they feel very strongly that this is what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. And if you ask them why, they don't know, but that's what you should be doing. <laughs> yeah. So, it, it, and it's like, it's a very, very tough to manage your mental health as a project founder. When I used to laugh, like, and, and you know, if you've got, you know, and we'll just say football and you can think of it one way and Americans can think of it another way. But when a football star is on Twitter, like complaining that people are mean to them on Twitter. Before I'd be like, grow up, man, you're making a hundred million dollars, like just ignore them. Oh my God, was I proven wrong and how tough that is. So like, you don't get, like, you don't think about it, but you'll be on Twitter because Twitter is, is the vocal point of NFTs. Yeah. And you, some of the stuff people just say about you, it can, you can, it, of course it bothers you. Yeah. I don't, I have no idea who this, this, fake cat person is with a thousand followers i don't know who they are but you know they got such an like, opinion about you and uh, but when they're like tracks he's an absolute idiot and he's terrible at his job you're like oh i am oh you want to go like you're you get so defensive and it hurt and then like when you're having a bad day 
Yeah. You know, like, and there's sometimes where like, I'll be on a partnership call and it doesn't go well and, and we're just not going to move forward with it. Right. Or, or like the celebrity I was trying to get to buy something doesn't really want to, or wants 400 grand to do something. Right. Like you just had a bad day and then you go on Twitter and everyone's telling you how bad of a job you're doing. <laughs> and then they, and they don't know what you're doing all day. Right. They don't see the calls you're on. They don't see how hard you're working. Right. Um, and it's the same thing. I feel even worse for me, I look at it like, listen, I'm, I'm a business guy. I'm the head of, I'm a project founder, but I'm more business oriented. So that's part of it. You're going to get that. I get that. I feel bad for some of these like one of one artists and stuff that are running projects by themselves. And then the community is just like, just ripping them apart. And you're like, these guys are artists. These girls are artists. Like leave them alone. They're just trying to do something fun and creative with the community. And then everyone's like, you need to do this, this, and that. Why are you so bad at this? It's just like, let them, let them work. That's something, you know, that's something really interesting about the NFT space um, that there's non-tech people, so much non-tech people that have entered the space to take advantage of the opportunity. Um, and like you said, they can't always deliver on the tech side or the execution, but they just yeah. want to be a part of it and try and, and, and yeah. see what they can do. And then you've got people like kind of giving them, yeah, backlash. Like I, I always talk about it and I spoke about it before anyone that follows me, mental health in this space is is like, is crazy because the, obviously you're talking it's about side. Um, even the fact like trying to keep up with these as a collector, keeping up with his PFP projects every day, trying to get on the the, the white lists, trying white list. to get involved, trying to, you're, missing out, you're missing, you're missing, you, do, you can't mint, it crashes, like all that experience creates so much anxiety for people. <laughs> and it's terrible because it also, this was very, very much like early crypto, so I was kind of prepared for this part, but it still hurts. Like there's nothing worse than being able to afford half a Bitcoin when it was 600 bucks and then your rent's due and you're broke and Bitcoin's now 400 bucks. And you're like, I have to sell to pay rent. So I'll sell. And then it goes to 2000. Yeah. And everyone on your timeline is talking about how rich they are. Yes. It hurts. It, like, it's not fun to watch. It's not fun to, to, to like buy something you like, not see it go up in value. And then the only thing you see on your timeline, the only thing you see on social media is wins. Yeah. Very rarely, like, when was the last time you ever looked at your Twitter and everyone's talking about their losses? Never happened. No. Never happened. And especially Very rarely. No, no one wants to talk about that. With, with, all, with all the support, support eight collectors. And the, and the, right, right. We, all, we follow up. Like... Look at all the, all of the influencers. And they don't know if this is a good or bad thing because some people are very positive. But if you look at all the influencers in their space, it's the same thing that happened with Bitcoin and Ethereum. I knew it was, I knew it was going to happen again. They're just early adopters that bought the right thing at the time right there's there's no litecoin whale or tron whale that's a huge influencer right now right mm -hmm. they bought the wrong thing they're gone mm -hmm. but the eth and bitcoin guys that bought stuff early they're big influencers now right they're super great all they did was buy something early and they picked right mm -hmm. whether it was luck or thought whatever it was they picked right so that's all you're going to see is just that continuing confirmation of how great they were at picking the right thing and if you weren't great it's just going to keep telling you how not great you were. So that's a really bad part, I think, for as collectors. It's really, really tough to understand that, like, you're not alone. 90% of people in the space aren't them. Mm. You know, 90% of the people in the space didn't mint the financial winners. But that's why my advice is always, like, buy things that you like. Because if, if you buy the stuff you like, you don't really care about the financial incentives. I think there's two reasons to be in the space. You know, one is because you enjoy it, you like the tech, you like the art, you enjoy where it's going. The other is financial. And I think we need to separate those things 
because I think it's unfair for the people who are in it for the finance, like the financial aspects to judge everyone else. Yeah. You know, like they brag about how great they've done and they've 10 times my NFT is better than yours because it's worth more money. Yeah. That's cool. But don't, I think we need to be careful. Like don't apply your standards to someone who bought a one of one piece because they really liked it and they enjoyed the artist's story. Yeah. That person doesn't care if they 10 times. That's a valid so, point, man. Because I mean, my, my approach in NFT space, I mean, every, with NFT talks, it's been more focused around education, onboarding people to the space, offering okay. great content, building the community. That's my main focus. Uh, it's always been my focus from the beginning. Um, so any project that I invested in was solely down to, if I knew the founder, I like I liked what they were doing, supporting, and that that's what that was it. Uh, so regards to PFP projects anyway. Yeah. Um, so I, I I could have bought a board ape. I was in the clubhouse when everyone was like talking about it and had it up and but I just didn't buy one because at that time that wasn't what I was trying to do. I wasn't especially wouldn't yeah. try to monetize off it. Um, so yeah, you're right. That is something that should should be talked about uh, because yeah, there's people that invest for the money side of it. And, and that's fine, right? Like, fine, yeah. Yeah. And it's fine. And that and that's what, but even and that's like you, of course you care that you didn't buy board it, right? Like, <laughs> you know, like, but you made the right, like, I don't think you made a wrong decision based on what why you were buying at the time. But the way that we talk about the space sometimes, it puts so much pressure on you to where you feel like you made the wrong decision. Facts. Right. Yeah. When it's like we need to just be happy for the success, but like we also need to be careful. Um, where it's like, and, and I'm getting arguments on Twitter every once in a while, I try not to, but it's just like, sometimes we, we reward negative behavior from projects and project founders because it gives you a monetary return, right? So when projects are doing shady things or they're doing very scammy things and it makes people money, they don't care. And I think we need to really, really get better at, at that. Like, yes, I like, we need to stop being like, well, whatever, mine's worth more money than yours. I don't care what my project did. We should, we should care. Because if you're going to care about the longevity of the space, that stuff's not sustainable. And when the regulations come and the SEC and everyone starts in the FCC start cracking down on this kind of stuff, yeah. like usually if your NFT is going up because the project's doing some scammy stuff, a lot of people are getting burnt. But again, you won't see that right? We talk, well, those rug pulls suck. That's things for somebody. No, that's things for the 3000 people that bought it. We just, you just don't hear from them. Mm -hmm. So we, we, I don't know. I think we, we ignore the victims sometimes of some of the really shady things that these projects do. And we, 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 uh, we reward those projects because more people buy into them to get a monetary return. And I, if that's my frustration as a project lead, I see we do five sales one day and a project where the project founders are like, I'm leaving the project. I don't care anymore. I don't, they get like 300 sales. And you're like, okay, something is fundamentally wrong with this space. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't think I'll just to add to what you said, what kind of frustrated me is that, and this is why I'm passionate about the onboarding processes. I've seen some very big projects, um, obviously make a lot of money in a short space of time, uh, yeah. project and the foul transactions with the gas fees, people mm -hmm. still getting charged of gas fees and they're not, based to just saying, look, you should, you should have known kind of thing. And there's lots of people that got charged $300, $500, $1,000 mm -hmm. that didn't get anything and just just left because yep. the onboarding yeah. process, like, I think that's crazy. 
Um, and it wouldn't, this, this, wouldn't have, this wouldn't happen in the real world. If it happened in the real world, like I said, there would be some kind of look like something you could go to at least. And that's why I feel like, okay, then regulations, decentralization, great regulations to protect people in a certain way. Um, I mean, you know, I know, you know what I mean, like, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, blockchain maxis that'll be very, very against me saying that we need regulation or something like that. But most, most true people in the space, um, I like to say we need clarification, not just regulation. Um, things just need to be clarified, right? Like, what is this? Is it a security? How do I know it's not a security? How do I act as a project? How do I act as a consumer? Um, so sometimes regulations can just help with that clarification mm -hmm. so that there's not these gray areas. It also stops people from being like receiving $100,000 to advertise a project and never talking about it. And the space, again, doesn't punish those people because if it makes the money, they don't care if it was shady or borderline illegal. So yeah. the more clarification, the more regulation, and the more people that get arrested for rug pulls, I think the better the space is going to be from it. Um, and I love that you're about education because I, I say it all the time. So it's like fun to hear you talk about it, but it's like the space needs education, not exposure. The problem is from the project side of things, we don't have the like luxury of educating. Mm -hmm. Usually for us, uh, V Friends did a good job of this. Usually the education happens before you mint and it's part of your marketing and sales. Yeah. Yes, it's a service, you're educating, but you're really just helping your consumer to give you money. That's why we're educating before yeah. the drop. You're just educating so you get more people to buy. Um, afterwards, you drop all education because you don't have the time or money for that and it goes to exposure. Right. You go to getting your celebrities to get your NFTs. You go to get influencers to talk about you. You stop with the education because there's no return on that. Like not a, not a short term. Right. Um, and we're finding out, too. And this is why I think education is so important and where these these projects will go to is like. For 90, 99, 95 percent of PFP projects, you will not survive off of secondary sales only. Like Vogu six months from now, if we're just surviving off of secondary sales, we're not going to be here in, in another year, right? You just, you just will not, unless you're a top 10 project in the space, yeah. you're not going to survive off of secondary sales alone. And hey, listen, Azuki's ripping it, yeah. right? A lot of these projects are ripping it right now. They're going to go through a period of maybe six months to a year where they don't make a lot on secondary sales. Maybe once you get to a certain point, one or two sales a day will sustain you. You can make 30, 40, 50 grand a month, hundred grand a month, right? And you've already raised 20 million. So you should be okay to budget. Where we ran into the problem of, of launching last year, we didn't raise 20, 30 million, right? We raised like a million dollars to spend on capital, right? Like we had a million dollar run, right? So it's like, we didn't raise 30 million, $20 million which is and like, I just put out a medium article to kind of talk about that yep. because I see a lot of projects in the top 50, like we did 8,000 on the secondary market, 8,000 Ethereum on the, on secondary sales. I'm seeing projects with 20, 30, 15, you know, that have delivered nothing mm -hmm. and, and they're surviving off of secondary sales. And I'm going as a project lead, look at what we've delivered on a lot smaller of a budget. So you don't have to leave your project and come to me. I want you to, but I think you should put some pressure on your founders because if you're making that much money, you should be delivering at a decent level. But I just think that like, 
if you look at board apes, right, they're establishing or trying to establish themselves in, in the mainstream. Yeah. And we have to, like we need, I think most projects are going to need some sort of other revenue stream mm-hmm. because I don't think at a low price point anyway, you can't sustain yourself with secondary sales. Yeah, but you limited your products, haven't you? You're like this, there's only 10,000 apes. And then unless you keep dropping new things, but you're giving them away. <laughs> Cause uh, the yeah. Income, and that's, so, and that's where it's like, I agree. It's like the only, the only, re- and even, even board apes who can sustain up secondary sales, how to do an expansion collection. They have to sell land. They have to do tokens. They have to create other revenue streams to yeah. keep building because you can't just sit back and be like, well, people will just buy and we'll make money off of that. You need to create other revenue streams. And, and they're, I think, going the, the metaverse route. And it's like, where, where are we going to go? Where's gutter cats? Where's cool cats, right? Cool cats is going into gamings and, and tokens. So everyone's going to find that other revenue stream because we, we're going to need a reoccurring revenue stream that isn't just secondary sales. I think to survive, you'll need that. Yeah. So talk, talking about, I was talking of airdrops, talking about, so you guys had the companions of months. Mm-hmm. So how, how did they, how did that, how did that do? Uh, yeah. So it flopped hard. Um, so <laughs> I love, I love the fact that he just like, yeah, it just flopped. Yeah, I mean, it's, this is like, you know, it, I have friends that open great restaurants and the, they fail. Yeah. It was good. Just didn't work. Right. Like everyone opens a business. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you launch a product and it works. Sometimes you don't. Right. I'm sure Samsung has launched a thousand successful projects and they've launched 500 terrible projects. Right. That didn't work. So with Mutz, where we ran into a bunch of different issues, but like originally we were going to come up with these fun little companions that were, again, we always tie things back to the literary universe. We wanted these things that used to be for, for work. So like assistant bots that would, would either, you know, we have some that are like a bar that used to work at a bar. And then we had some that were mining equipment. And with the success of our, our tar sales, these personalized robots, we thought it'd be great if like maybe Vogu builds on that and finds another project. And we actually put out a webtoon, which is like a vertically scrolling comic that explains the origin story. That was a pretty good success. I think a general, the general webtoon audience found it and thought it was really cool. Um, and it talks about how we found this dead project, these mutts. And at the time, again, this is in the future, there's no pets. No one had pets because it's, it just, it's irrational. It doesn't make any sense. There's no room on your seed, right? So we've got zoos up there, but like no one had pets. Why would you have a pet? It's so irrational. And so like this became another way to add personalization to your tar. So when you go on the planet, you'll have a pet kind of to hang around and walk around and it's super cute. So originally it was just, that was the story and we were going to make them 2D and we we're going to come up with like this fun art. We were working with, one of our big things is to bring in contributors and creatives in our space, find what they're good at and then find avenues to have them work with us and, and throw them some money or give them exposure, whatever it may be. And one of them was this, was a gentleman by the name of Pizza Later uh, who just launched um, some stuff with Nifty Taylor that did really well. And, and he's done Rad Santa, he's done a bunch of stuff now f- since this, but he came to us and he was like, oh, I can help you make some teasers and they'll be animated. Now we're very anima- entertainment focused. So like animated teasers are perfect. It's like so on brand for us. We're like, oh my God, this is great. We have an animated. So we were playing around with it. And he's like, oh, are the mutts animated? We're like, well, no, Jason can animate. Like he's done it before. If you check out his Instagram and stuff, like he's, he's done animations before, but we weren't thinking it. He's like, oh, it'd be cool like to animate these. And so Jason was like, we're doing it. Like these are animated, <laughs> whatever. So I'm going crazy because I've got a timeline that is now 
going to go a lot longer. And we had just started to tease them and dropped like art and stuff. So mm-hmm. now everyone, this is like a, maybe a month after a drop. So now everyone's expecting the mutts to come. And this is a tough call because our, our project was okay. It was coming down because Oni Force had just launched sevens. There's all these projects that this was at the time where now projects are coming out yeah. every week and people are just flipping into the next one. If we had dropped right then with 2D like mutts, I'm not hundred percent sure they would have hit then anyway, but we certainly would have had more momentum behind the project to where the market may have wanted to buy them on the secondary. Unfortunately, animated mutts sounds like way better and like a much cooler thing to do. So for us, execution wise, I'm like way better. No one's ever done that before. There was never any fully generated animated um, uh, companions. There had been, I think Junkyard Dogs had released and they were like the first animated PFP project. Mm -hmm. And they had like some eyes that moved. It wasn't super complicated. These are a whole walk cycle with a ground moving and background kind of parallaxing. So like it was way bigger. We had a re- we, we use Unity to do all of our, it's like a video game uh, oh, right. developer okay. or development system. And we use that to do all of our, our pipeline for the generative. So we had to write a whole new generative pipeline for this. Um, really intense, a lot of testing and all that kind of stuff. So now instead of us dropping it three to six weeks after our main, you know, it's like, two to three months later and i loved it jason loved it everyone behind it worked really hard we loved the actual art and if you go back to look at them you're like yeah these are cool they may not aesthetically some people are like not miss it like not for me it's fine there's not much people aren't going to like things aesthetically it's not a big deal um but we dropped them and we left the claim window open for a week people complained that that was too short of a time period so like people are always going to complain you know and then um so we were like, well, should we have done it longer? Should we have done it shorter? Uh, but either way, not everyone claimed it. Um, they went to market. And by this time, there were so many other popular projects out that Bobu wasn't really a hot project. And no one, no one wanted them. Andrew, the question to you, I'd, I'd ask, which is, it sounds so simple now. There's probably a good reason why. But I mean, why didn't you ask the community? Do you want us to drop sure. these 2Ds, uh, these 2D, or do you want us, or we, we've got tension, we can create these, this animation that we're thinking of, what do you guys think? So a couple of reasons. Um, one is we surprised everyone that they were animated. So I always liked, like we have hands uh, is, is one of the traits. That was a trait we didn't tell anyone about. I mean, the community really, really liked it because they reveal it and they they're, have diamond hands and they're like, this is great. So we, I really, really liked the idea of being surprised. The other is we actually asked the community how many to mint before. Right. And the community was scarcity is super important. It must be 7,000. Terrible decision. We should have just ten, done 10,000. There was no reason for scarcity. We'd have sold out at 10,000. We would have made an extra 300, $400,000. Mm-hmm. Scarcity had nothing to do with the price of our, of our NFTs. It still doesn't. But at the time, the market was scarcity, 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 right? All that kind of stuff. Um, so there is some validity in, in asking your community and getting their feedback on certain things. We talked, we actually talked to the community about like the length of the, the mint window. Hey, is this okay and not okay? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you have to take what the community says with a grain of salt. Yeah. They don't have all the information mm-hmm. and they're viewing it from the lens of a collector. And not a project. <laughs> not a project. Yeah. So yeah. But yeah. who knows? If if we'd asked them and they said 3D, but and here's the other. If I asked them, 
and they said 3D and we drop it and they still had a bad reaction, it's still my fault. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, that's the way it is, isn't it? I mean, okay, it's a PFP project, but essentially once you sell to people, your business, your, your company, and people expect something mm -hmm. from you, all the, especially in the NFT, it's so demanding because they want, they want, they want, they want. And yeah, it's hard. It's, it can be hard to deliver, really. Uh, but, but putting that aside, I mean, we've talked about obviously things that have gone wrong. There's so many things that you guys, I feel, that are doing right. Um, and sticking to talking about fashion, which I really liked about your project. Yeah. When you touched on the models, I like the aesthetic look of the the, the tars wearing the, the clothing and identity is so important. Mm -hmm. And people don't realize that branding is so important. So tell me a bit about the the fashion side of it and, and what, what you guys are doing there. Yeah. So there was like for us, you know, we're we're not a fashion company, right? Like a lot of people come out and they're like, we're gonna be a streetwear brand, right? We, we're not a streetwear brand, right? But what we are is like, I got to find a better way to say it, right? So I got to hire some PR and copy people. Like to <laughs> me, I look at Mogo as like a brand for nerds. And I mean that in the nicest way possible because I think that if you sit at home and you and you watch, you know, football, soccer every weekend and you know who, who scored an Arsenal goal last year against Benfica in the Euro Cup where well, they weren't in your whatever right like so like if you know that person and you you can name the last five strikers on Arsenal and like you know whatever and you can you can tell exactly what Pep Guardiola's rotation is going to be you're a nerd right yeah. and that's okay like we're all nerds everyone is a nerd for something right if you code if you know solidity and you're a crazy developer and you sit at home all day just coding and that's your life you're a nerd and so like fashion collecting uh sneakers being a sneakerhead, right you're a nerd for, for clothes and fashion and stuff like that. So we're always going to try to be a part of these niches and these, these environments. So a lot of people in our community, and I think one of the things for an identity, the easiest route for identity and building the brand is clothes, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's, we, it's very, very talk about like UX user experience, like wearing clothes to express our identity. Easy. Everyone gets that. We all understand that. So it made sense right off the bat, how do we do merch, right? Because we, we, we knew merch was going to happen. Um, I didn't want to, again, we're not a fashion company. So securing third-party logistics, securing a print house, building a fashion company, I didn't want to do that. And then the other option is just you create a Shopify store, you add Printful, you create some designs, and then you sell it. It's okay. We have a store like that. I like to call it our novelty shop. We yeah. have some really great prints and posters and like fun stickers and stuff like that. Cool. Not our main, you know, business, our line of business. Um, so right off the bat, I was like, I need to identify a brand that fits an identity that me, the consumers and the brand like makes sense. Um, I have been... I am not like a hype beast in any way, right? Like I love clothes. I would go to New York every year. I, I grew up in New Jersey. I'd go to New York every year right after seasons changed in December and I'd hit up Triple Five Soul and A Life Riveting Club and all of these like really hot streetwear brands at the time um, and, and, and buy a bunch of crap, right? So I was like, all right, what brands do I know right now? Supreme, Bait, right? Like there's all these big, big brands. And I was like, okay, we're probably not going to get there. Mm -hmm. 
And if we do get them, it's going to take forever for them to do something with us. And I don't even know if it'll make sense. So I knew Hype, which is who I'm wearing now. I knew Hype because I was a fan of them when they, they made their first print screen t-shirt. I've been a fan of them for a while. Yeah, yeah. So I reached out to, to Liam, who is one of the founders, and I was just like, hey, man, been a fan of the brand forever. We're doing, so, uh, you know, I'm an NFT project. Here's what we've done. And you drop the numbers, right? Like we did 20 million last week. You know, like you drop some numbers, so you're legit. And they go, okay, these guys are legit. Um, and I was like, I'd love to do something. Let's just talk and see. Because we don't have an idea, right? It's just like, let's just, what can we do together? And so luckily they were like, yeah, we're interested in that world. We want to do something. And they were, they did exactly what I was wanting to do. Because I felt that up until today, no one's done a really good job of having a collaboration with, with a real life merch brand. I think that the Adidas partnership with the five people that they partnered with yep. started off really strong, right? Like it was, it was Web3 you needed an NFT, you know, but like I, you had to buy the NFT. They still haven't delivered the merch. Now they're building a bigger thing into the past, which is nice. But then it's like, now that's an Adidas project. It's not a collab. So like criticisms of that aside, right? I still feel like we did it the best because we partnered with Just Hype, just like they do with any other IP. And they've done Jurassic Park, Hello Kitty, Sonic the Hedgehog, right? Like they've done all these giant IPs. So they treated us just like any other giant IP. If Vogue was a movie franchise, we would have been treated the same. Mm -hmm. We did a full line of clothing. It's like 10 or 15 designs, hoodies, t-shirts, all that. They put us on the front. Is that, is that one yeah, of the Yeah, I, got, I actually, I'm like doubling up today. It's like crazy. I'm wearing like both. Of them. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it actually got, I was just going to wear the t-shirt, but I got cold. So, um, so we did a bunch of different designs. They put us on the front page of their website. They blasted us on email. They put a, a photo shoot together. We did a video as well. Like we did the whole gambit of exactly what a merch brand would do if they partnered. And no one else in the space has done that. Everyone else has dropped really limited one or two or three pieces. They've done some, some collabs at a live event, but I haven't seen anyone execute at the level that we did with, with just hype. So hopefully we set the bar. And I think if we were a little bit more in the limelight, Again, I like to put pressure on other projects to, to yeah. execute. So this was kind of like our clap at like Board Apes and Gutter Cats because Gutter Cats are great with their merch. So now it's like, hey guys, let's see, let's see you do this, Hello. right? Because what I, as a fan and a collector in the space, I'm like Gutter Cats, Board Apes, cool. go get Supreme, show them what we did with Just Hype, and go do it with Supreme. Yeah, yeah. So let me see you guys do it at a high, like do it at a high level because we just did it at a tenth of your revenue. We just did it at the highest level in the space. So that like hopefully puts some pressure on these other projects. And I think that's important. I think that's so important to, to in order for the space to grow, to do things, because people are used to seeing things. If we, if we do a fashion brand uh, or like I said, a merch drop, people, there's the levels are already at the point that you guys have done it at. That's, where, that's the, the standard where it should be. So in the NFT space, there, I think that's, if you want it to grow, that's where you need to be also. Because you can't do these little 10,000 prints and and then that's it. Um, because what is it? And then obviously you guys have talked about identity. It's really tied into your project. I really feel the brand identity is connected to the way you've done the t-shirts and whatnot. You still felt oh, like- Oh, nailed the aesthetic, yeah. A, a Vogue Collective project, you yep. know, but it was still fashionable. It felt like a, a brand like, so that's, yeah. that really got my attention, what you guys are doing too also. So I think that was great. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's, yeah, it's, you put it out there, let's see whoever's gonna. 
and anyone can buy it, right? Like, and that was the other thing for us too. It's like, again, if, if you want to be a brand identity, I want people, you know, in London to be wearing Vogue shirts because they thought they were cool. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, like, yeah, these are dope. What are, oh, it's an NFT project. That's dope. Oh, the picture of the robots. Those are cool. That's cool. They don't have to buy an NFT. Like for, for these projects like ours and the bigger projects to become like worldwide brands, you need someone on the corner of London, Carnaby Street, where the hype store is, to be rocking a Vogue hoodie with some cool designs on it because they think it's really cool and they love the idea of Vogue. They don't have to buy an NFT. Like for us to be successful, you need to capture an audience that doesn't even care about NFTs, but thinks they're really cool. They love the pictures. They're awesome. I'm never going to spend 10 grand on that, but I'll buy a hoodie. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I'll support the brand. I love the identity. That's what, you know, that's where you need it. That's where you'll get people that like, will see you wearing a Vogue hoodie or something like that and give you a nod or a thumbs up or something because they recognize that you're about the thing. There's no, there's no pressure like, oh, do you own one? You don't own a Vogue? Like you can't wear that, right? Like there's none of that pressure because we're this, we're trying to build this, this global brand of, of identity. And I like that because uh, I feel like, I'm, I mean, I'm not sure if you see, I've, I've got a project myself. Uh, I'm, I've got a background in fashion. And the project's called GM Supply Co. Uh, and it was a brand for the NFT community because I felt like it was over the, when I go to real life events, it's very tribal, very tribal. Okay, <laughs> I've got my board eight. Yeah, I'm a board eight. Let's, let's go stand in the corner. And then we've got, you got your cool cats. If, you, if you've got an artifacts piece, that's great. But then it wasn't, and it, what could anybody get, everybody get access to? Um, yeah. it's, it's important because everybody wants to be a part of it. It's not always. It's I, not, I, I'm, I'm the same way, I think. Like, but it, this is part of the success for NFT product, but like there's this exclusivity within exclusivity mm-hmm. that I'm seeing. Like when Board Apes does a drop, they do a lot of, they do a really good job of hyping it up and the exclusivity is part of the hype. It works really well for their audience. Um, I think Gutter Cats does it for every, like if you're, if you're dropping a cool cat hoodie and it's to your entire cool cat audience, that's fine, but that's already exclusive. Yeah. There's only so many, right? Like if I drop hoodies that are only for the Vogue audience, the max wallets we have are like 2,800. So that means less than that are people. So there's 2,800 people could buy this way. It's already super exclusive. There's no need to limit it to like 500 or 100. Mm-hmm. If you want to do limited runs, I'm okay with that. Like if I want to do a limited poster or something just to crazy, but I don't need that for all my merch. Yeah. And then I agree. There's this, like when you go to events, we're all in the NFT space, but you show up and you're like, all right, who, who, do, who can I talk to? Who's a part of my circle? We're all part of circle. But you'll you'll find someone with an NFT project that you own and you'll be like, okay, that's that's why I talked to you because we yeah. get it. But that's that's why NFTs have been so successful, is that during COVID and during a time where 25, let's be honest, most of this, most of this industry is like 25 to 45 year old males. And that's around the time where your social circles start to lower and you don't go out as much in general and, and your friends don't talk to you as much, everyone's getting families, and then you're in the middle of COVID. And I'm a gamer, so I log, I log into Discord every weekend and hang out with my friends. Your average person won't do that. Yeah. With NFTs, we found a, a social circle. So you've got a 32-year-old male that really hasn't gone out in a while. It's COVID. He hasn't gone out in a long time, isn't talking to friends, buys a board eight, and now he can log in and talk to people. He's part of the social circle, right? So I think that was super attractive for a lot of the early adopters. We found these cer- social circles that allowed us to have this sense of belonging we haven't felt since college or you know uni or whatever right <laughs> and, and like but i think you're that persists now and we're only comfortable in those little circles 
when we go to live events and things like that. So I agree. I think I think we need a little bit of a greater acceptance and and have these global brands. I want it to be like I want it to be okay that I can show up to an event in a in a cool cat's hoodie, and I don't and like people are like, oh, you own a cool cat? It's like no, no, I just like them. And then like the conversation doesn't stop there. Yeah. Right. Like it needs to get to a point where, where I'm like, you know, yeah, I love the cool cats, cool brand. And they're like, yeah, dude, I love them. They're so dope. They're cute. I don't have one either, but they're awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. where we need to get to. And I feel like at the NFT conventions right now, it's like, I don't own that. They're like, Oh, and they won't talk to you. Like, that's how I feel. <laughs> Who knows if that's the case, but it kind of feels <laughs> like that. We'll no, see. I, if it's I, really that. I do agree. So just, just uh, talk about a bit, a few more of your partnerships um, and all that you yeah. guys Obviously, you had the collaboration with MetaKey, uh, which yeah. was obviously a big brand in the, in the NFT space, um, mm -hmm. Decentraland, and also the Meta, Metaverse Fashion Week. I know you say you're not into fashion, but yeah, no, he's one, of, one of the few PFP projects that kind of wrecked yeah, the, the, the brand. Yeah, and it was, it was a great fashion show. It was really, really cool. I mean, one of the Decentraland's advantages is we can go and play in it now. Mm -hmm. And they do these crazy activations, really fun events that bring these global brands. So to be up there with all these other global brands and be on the list of it, like really, really was cool. Where I think the value too in that, and this isn't writing off Metaverse Fashion Week, but it just shows you like, you've got a Web2 brand and hype, right? They're a merch company and they're interested in what this Metaverse, they're trying to get a play, right? What's the Metaverse look like? What is What does NFTs look like? And we, in our partnership, and this is like the strength that I pitch, we're going to help hype come into the metaverse. We're going to explain it. We're going to be advisors. Yes, there's, there's the clothing aspect of it and all that. But part of the value that we're adding, because you have to add value in a partnership both ways. So part of the, ad, the value that we're adding is we're going we're to give you legitimacy in the space because we're a legitimate project and you're doing it the right way with the right company. Our aesthetics work. We're also going to, and, and this was kind of like, you know, sometimes it's at, at no advantage to us. Like, hey, we'll introduce you to how to get wearables. So we introduced them to Malloy and, and Fika Games and all. And we're like, these are these guys make wearables. So if you want to do some wearables in the metaverse with or without us, yeah. this is your connection. We just act as advisors. It's really like, it helps us with that relationship. And as we were like, kind of hand-holding hype into what a metaverse play would look like for them, Malloy was working on Metaverse Fashion Week with the Decentraland Committee. And he's like, hey, do you want to pitch you guys for this? And so we're like, yeah, of course. And we pitched and they're like, ah, we'd love to have you. You guys are doing physical. Like it was, it was a perfect partnership for Decentraland because we were launching physicals that week. Like we could have launched them earlier. We held it for, for fashion yeah, week, yeah. obviously. But so, so we ended up just doing like a whole run. We did 12 different looks on the runway. It's like 25 wearables for Decentraland, all Bogu and hype branded. Um, just a great, great footprint, really cool identity. We have, full uh, robot heads that we had for claim for holders that you can buy. Mm -hmm. So like really big identity play for Decentraland and the metaverse. And that was all like, just from a partnership with Hype to try to help them get into it. It wasn't something that we had planned. Like we didn't pitch this to Hype. It just organically happened. But I think now that helps me when I go pitch to the next company that I want to partner with. It's like, look what we did with Hype. Yeah, yeah. Just the momentum, isn't it? Like I'm saying, and like you're making that, like you said, you pride yourself make building partnerships, which I think is important. You know, to like it's so great that you can bring people outside the space and align with them in some way, and then guide them and make them take the right steps within the space 
because I feel that a lot of brands just enter the space and they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And I'm like, who's advising? Wrong. Yeah, who's advising these people? It makes me mad because I'm like, hire me or give me some money. I'll do it for free, <laughs> right? Like, throw Vogue on it and I'll do it for free. But yeah, some of this, some of these, they just enter the space and they don't know what they're doing. And I'm like, who are you hiring to advise you on this stuff? It's a win-win, isn't it? Like, is that, I think that's what what the NFT space brings a win-win on both ends, either whether you're yeah. putting the NFT and you're getting value in that way. Uh, obviously, it's a win-win for the project because of yeah. their, their getting selling their merch or whatever, like brands. So I think it's great. The collaboration side of it is so important. It needs to keep happening. Um, yeah. What are the things that you what what are the things that you guys are doing at Vogue Collective that no other you feel that like no one else is doing? That's got whether it's happening now or it's mm-hmm. in the pipeline, like you mentioned, Netgear. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd be interested to see what you guys are doing with them because I, I've, yeah. what I know about them, they just create like... <laughs> yeah, so this, this is them. So they do the, the Neckier mural, which is their, right. their digital display. And so, and like, of course, it's all blown out on my camera. So we'll go to this guy, um, the board monk. So um, I approached them a little bit after hype. Uh, I've been talking to them for a long time. They're very, very interested. I ended up really my, like, this is all just cold approaches. This is what yeah. I do. Find someone on LinkedIn, right? Ask them if they want to do anything. <laughs> yeah. so it's part of, the, part of the job. So I, I ended up getting very lucky in approaching Netgear because at the time I had just bought, the reason I reached out to them, I bought this 600 bucks, way cheaper than any of the other digital solutions. The unboxing experience, setting it up. It, it's an app on your phone. You send pictures here. It's a very right-click save as. It's not true web three. But I was like, this is the, this is the product. Like if you own an NFT, this is the display you should be using. There's some great companies out there that have great products, but I think in terms of like price point availability, there's no weight. You could buy it at Best Buy if you wanted to, it ships overnight, like super easy to get, right? So I just think that this was hands down the best project right now or product in the space right now. So I just reached out and said that. And then I felt that with the right guidance and the right connection in the space, you guys could be marketing yourselves as the true NFT display. They just so happened to be building out the Web3 wallet connection. Right, right. They announced it at CES this year. It's almost rolled out. They're they're finalizing everything. So they're actually building, and and we're a part of it, they're building out their NFT plan, right, for the next year or so. So it was like, that's just a case of like good timing, right? Like they want to build out this NFT plan. They have some partners, uh, Boss Logic and Async Art and some other partners and then us. And it's like, we have this conversation. It makes sense. This is perfect. What do we do? Mm-hmm. So the very first thing I said, well, the easiest thing we can do, if you want to do it, is just coupon codes for, for our users, right? Super simple. We deliver coupon codes. We do like a web three check or something. We deliver coupon codes. They say, yeah, that's easy. We can give you 500 coupon codes. So I said, all right, well, I don't want to use all 500 yet. Let's do like a giveaway for some and see how the community reacts. So we announced, uh, we said, hey, soft announcement. We're beginning our talks with Netgear for an official partnership. We're going to give away some codes. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone used them. And I even got some, some holders were accusing us of, of making money off of it. Wow. <laughs> it wasn't an affiliate code. I wasn't making any money. I wasn't making $10 per 20 that we were getting. Like it was, why would I do this for 200 bucks? So whatever. So I, it did not respond well to mm-hmm. how we did it. So I was like, pump the brakes. Let's just build out the official partnership. Like the community is not reacting well. And you can, again, the frustration from, from a smaller project, yeah. if any of the top 10 projects announced or soft announced, uh, uh, there'd be Twitter spaces for weeks yeah. <laughs> that they're working with Netgear. You know, our community, I got pushback. So it's like, okay. So we're working and, I, and none of this is final. 
And this is where it's like, you have to be very, very careful. I'm kind of done being careful because I don't want to say I'm done being careful, but I have to, I have to be less careful now because the market has not responded well to my being careful. Yeah. Um, but I should try not to say things that won't happen because if they don't happen, I look stupid, but it doesn't really matter, you know, at this point. So like we're working with them because Netgear can pull this out at any minute, just say they don't want to do it. It's fine. Yeah. Um, we're working on some really, really exciting things like being an official partner, showing up on their main website, um, using our imagery and their marketing. So when they do any marketing push, right. And they say, Oh, we're thinking for net, they have a bunch of NFTs and Vogue is one of them, right. They, I've given them assets. They can use us. They cannot, who knows. Right. But it's, that's a great, great opportunity for us. Um, the, the biggest thing that I'm most excited with, but it's a long shot and it may not happen. We're very, very big on creatives in the space. And we want to give the creatives in our community and the NFT community as a whole an outlet. So I pitched to Netgear the idea that what we do in the space, we do, there's a derivatives, if you've heard of them, right? They'll take, they'll take your Vogu and then they'll change it and do like a different style in their way, right? We like to brand everything. So we call it remixes, right? They're not derivatives or remixes. <laughs> so I explained our remix community is very, very strong. We've, we've attracted, again, kind of that nerd thing. We attracted some really great artists and some really creative people. So our remix community is very, very strong. And I was like, is there a way part of Netgear, they also have a subscription service to the mural where you can get access to like hundreds of, actually thousands of different art, right? You can just switch the art, put on a playlist, anything. And I was like, what if there's a way, not, not paid, maybe pay, like we'll figure it out. But like, what if there's a way that we have a custom playlist that's just Vogu remixes? Mm. And it's just like curated art from our community. We can run contests. We can have a channel where people drop it. We pick some, we put it up there. So now every mural, in the world can pick a Vogu remix playlist and they see everyone's art. And in, in the descriptions, and I don't, uh, is this right? I think in the description, you can pull up, we'll actually have the artist, who they are, maybe social links, however you do it, right? Yeah. Great exposure for our community, really fun. They love that idea. So that's something that we're working towards that, yeah. you know, obviously no other project has, but no, I love and that. I, it's, it's I pitch, I also like, I pitch, sorry to interrupt, like, I pitch these things for Vogu, but again, this is like, I try to be an advisor and it's like, this is an idea that any project can do. So yeah, now, yeah. and Netgear knows that, right? So I pitch an idea, say, I'd love to do it with Vogu, but hey, if you are if you want to talk to other brands, let's just do an NFT playlist and it's all remixes from everyone's community. No no NFT project would say no to it. Yeah, and I see where you're coming from, uh, Andrew, like is, you're bring, you, you obviously you got these ideas and you, you, you're bringing in, you're getting the community involved, you're helping exposure, you're connecting these these artists to these big brands in the, in the real life world, yeah. in the real life world and, but then also they're leveraging off these artists because they're getting people from in the web free space. It just makes sense. And yeah. it's so simple, the idea otherwise, but yeah, not a lot of people do it, but it's great that you're kind of using that as a, a way to connect to businesses but you're helping everybody. It's not kind of, let me take, 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 take. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Putting people on and saying, where, where can I help? Where can I add value to you guys? Which I think is great. Um, so yeah, I, I love that. Um, mm -hmm. Talking about the NFT space, Web3 space, um, moving away from obviously what you guys are doing at Vogue, is there any projects that you're interested in? Like, or that you feel have hit the nail on the head? I mean, apart from Bored Apes, that no one's really talking about you think look uh, or you may collect i let so it's really difficult for me i, I just like i don't have a lot of time to research projects mm -hmm. 
So like for me, you know, I'm working with the Vogue. I'm, I'm working with this, this other project that's going to launch soon that helps bring contemporary artists into the world. Um, we've got Vogue Miami, which I can talk about that's coming up. Um, so a lot of what I buy into is supporting, it's like friends in the, in the space. You know, uh, like Lance Pilgrim just launched his his project, Villainy Krakens. Or I'm probably butchered what he actually called it, but um, where he's doing, you buy it, and then you actually get a physical claim, and the print is AR. Yeah, uh, really cool. Uh, Fiat Lux, who we partnered with, is is doing digital, so it's like they actually send you a package. I put it on my Twitter. It's really cool. Um, mm -hmm. It's a physical trading card that's AR responsive. Yeah, uh, and, and it's NFC, so it's near field, so you can actually click it to your phone and you can download the Fiat. App. So mm -hmm. that I love because it's cool for their project, but their project's totally a proof of concept for this whole digital thing. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, again, my creative mind is like, oh man, you could do that for any project, right? Like I'd love to do that for some sort of project. So um, seeing that things, I pay more attention to like market response and stuff like everyone wants a video game or everyone's doing a video game i'm not seeing like any video games do well right so it's like i don't see anyone doing something novel where i'm like wow mm -hmm. that like i've never even thought of that right like i'm seeing people execute on things and, and do stuff well with physical claims or or online stuff um ethan brewerton who does who did one of our limited edition backgrounds mm -hmm. super super talented artist He's launching like a, a web-based browser game that's kind of like a fighting game between his NFTs, which is really cool to see someone like execute on a video game. So it's fun. Like people are executing left and right all over the space. Um, it's just, I look more at like, what's the market's response to it? Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily always like, I mean, if I like it, I'll just buy into it and be like, that's dope. I'll support you for doing something cool and creative. Yeah. Um, but from a project lead standpoint, and I don't see... I bring up, you know, like, I don't like to talk because I don't know what they're doing, but like, like you look at like a Deadheads project who came out early, their roadmap was animation. We're going to do animation. We're going to make an animated series. And they did. They delivered on it. The market didn't care. Yeah. So right there, it shows you like, even if I think that's cool and I want to do an animated series, I can't just do an animated series. Yeah. The market may not respond well. Um, video games, like I... Uh, there's a project called like Kiki, uh, Kiki's World or something like that. Um, sorry again for them, but like they have a, a world where you can walk around and interact and bring other entities and stuff like that. Um, and it like I don't know if they're doing that well because of it. Like right, they're not like blowing up. Worldwide Web uh, Web three or whatever came out did the same thing, and they're they're really popular. So it's like it's weird seeing like some people do a video game and it works, some people do a video game and it doesn't. So it's. Do you, do, you really, think down to, do you think that's down to, okay, obviously the market will decide, but do you think that's down to, the, I think it's down to the behavior of the market, the, why, the reasons why people enter the NFT space now, they're not entering, a lot of them are not entering because they want to find what they're interested in. A lot of them are entering for flips and how can I make money? That's, that's the main question I get out of anybody. Are you into NFTs? Oh, how do you make money? What should I buy? That, that's it. Yeah, and that's the, the big, it's the biggest project that the spaces and project founders are running into right now because you hear influencers talk about how important the team is. The team is so important. Buy from good teams. The top three projects all have like anonymous teams. So, well, unfortunately for Four Apes, it's a shame, but yeah. kind of right. They were kind of anonymous. Um, I don't think the Azuki guys know anyone. Doodles, non anonymous because they have a um, 
the artist is known and I think one or two of the other guys is on docs but like you know top five top 10 projects were kind of like some of them are anonymous so it's like okay so that's not necessarily true and then they talk about it's all about execution and what the team delivers on and all that kind of stuff but like and like I love Azuki as a project and everything but it's like they did a regular launch obviously they had a gas efficient contract that's cool they did a they did a party and they have a companion drop does mm -hmm. that if I just said that I said, oh, this project's going to be the greatest thing ever. They did a drop, they had a party, and then they did a companion drop. You're going to go, Is every that project's done that, right? Mm -hmm. Every project's done that. Mm -hmm. they have, obviously, they did those at a great level, and the, are, there's a lot of, but it just shows you that just the execution also has, isn't, it's not just that's execution, right? Like, you can't just list out what projects have done and be like, oh, that's, that's a blue chip because they've achieved those things. So, yeah, it's, there's a lot about it, and the market reaction is, it's tough to gauge what the market will react to and why. Yeah. Like, did Azuki blow up just because the market thought it was going to make them money? Or did they think it was really cool? Mm. And like, it was just everything together worked, yeah. right? We don't, that, it's hard. Like if we, if, if projects knew, if I knew exactly why Azuki blew up, <laughs> I would just do an airdrop of dirt or something, right? Like if that was all it took, right? Was an airdrop. Apparently it's down to the type of the animation of that time. That was the thing, isn't it? Um, yeah, and the anime things were hot for a moment. Yeah, yeah. That was they're also fun. like in, in Azuki, because I like I feel like I'm ragging on Azuki, but like in their defense, when the art's really, really good, but it's also identity. We know what Azuki's brand identity is. Yeah, yeah. Very yeah. easily to distinguish, right? So so I think that is really helping them. But yeah, it's just and that's just an example. So yeah, there's there's yeah. nothing that I'm looking at in the market right now that I think, and, and maybe I'm not looking hard enough, but nothing's blown me away yet in terms of like how anyone's utilizing anything we're all kind of trying different things and seeing if the market responds that i, I think I, I don't think you're ragging on any project before i just think you're giving your your opinion and the, the points that you're talking about are valid i agree with you like uh, you have to ask these questions because because it's so obviously new and everyone's just kind of caught up in the whole whirlwind well nfts great pfp yeah. projects and so on money's been made but yeah what you, you're going to challenge and think what else are you going to bring because it's all about value at the end of the day mm. uh, and are you getting that and yeah what determines a good project we, that's that question is is still out there and <laughs> yeah we, you and you've got every right to argue because you guys are doing things over here and not even at the moment you're not getting the same success as these other guys. right the, the financial success yeah, or yeah. the full so, price so you'd, you'd ask the yeah. question like as any business or project would like what what are they doing different and so on so yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see your perspective. But it's, it's tough. Yeah. And it's like, it's like we're doing like really cringy TikTok marketing. Yeah. I don't want to do it. I, but like, I have to get out of my way because what I was doing isn't creating the financial success in terms of the, the floor price raising. And the, I look at like floor price is one thing. I'd love for it to go up because then, you're, then you're, your holders are happy. Um, I look at unique holders and it's our unique holders isn't growing at the rate that I would want it to grow at. Um, so then it's like, how do I get new people, right? How do I bring new people to get them excited for, for Bogu? Is it, do I have to show them that the, the price is going to go up? Do I have to tease or be like, oh, the money, money's going to be, you know, it's all financial. We're going to double in value. Like, do I have to do that stuff? I like, I don't like doing that one. Cause I think it's going to be illegal at some point, but like, <laughs> but two, it's just, I don't like to promise those things. I want to show you what we're delivering on, on the project and the business side of things. And then hopefully that shows value. And then that'll reflect on the price. It hasn't done that yet. So when we talk about different ways to market and, and my community is always like, you need to do better marketing. You need to do better marketing. Mm -hmm. 
every marketing company I talk to, it's like Twitter DMs, Discord DMs, you know, influencer giveaways and all this, like all the stuff I don't want to do. And so like the one thing that we like agreed, like I agreed to do, which I, I just like I cringe because I don't like TikTok. So we just do all these cringy TikToks now. Organic growth, organic growth. That's what they say. <laughs> we'll see, yeah, right. Yeah. So we'll see how the cringy TikTok goes. I, you know, I got like a month left of cringy TikTok. Um, we'll see. Well, well so you, you got to try things in it. It's, 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 it's in order to grow the, what you're doing. So I guess trial and error, see where, see what works, yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. And, and that's, that's all you can do. Um, but you, you touched on earlier on uh, other things that you're looking into about art creation and whatnot. Art is the spearhead for the NFT space. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me a bit about what you're doing there. Yeah, so, and, and it's it's like, one of the things I'm working with that, that isn't Vogue related, but I think will help, you know, obviously personally, but also will help the greater space mm-hmm. is the large, large contemporary artists in, in the world right now. Um, obviously you have Tom Sachs, um, and a couple other artists that have entered the space pretty successfully and done pretty well. Um, but they all kind of launched on their own. They did their own project and everything. And some artists either don't have the bandwidth or like me, don't understand how they're going to do it. And they don't want to cheapen, like these are collectors that are selling art, you know, in auctions at Sotheby's and they're collected in museums and their art selling for $500,000, $300,000, right? Mm-hmm. They can't just release what people would see as a cash grab NFT project, right? It cheapens their main success, which is them as an artist and it, it hurts their legacy. Yeah. So you have these artists that are like, how do I enter the NFT space? And now again, as someone in the industry, I'm like, we need these artists in the space because we need to legitimize the NFT space as a new medium for art. So I'm working with a project right now. We're gonna have a PR release in the next two, three weeks. I can't say names yet. Uh, and NDAs and all this fun stuff, but very, very big names attached, like super exciting, super exciting names. Um, our first artist is a female artist who just who's killing it in the commercial and contemporary art world, collected by some of the biggest museums in the world. Um, and she's just an amazing, positive person. She sees the potential in NFTs and understands that this is a new medium and there's a way to do a project where now you have access to a community that you can start like you can give back to your collectors, right? Like there's a way to work and grow with your collectors. That's really exciting that like you don't get from having your painting in a gallery. Yeah. That's great. That's the traditional world, but like you can't interact with your holders in a way that you can with NFTs. So the, the platform, now it's not a platform like OpenSea, but we're a platform for artists to use. We're going to help onboard contemporary artists from right. start to finish on what NFTs are, how to set up a project, how to work with your community, uh, determine the art and the utility of the project and then we're going to launch their projects on our platform right. so that from a curator like collector standpoint you're going to be able to say i know that this platform is going to bring me some of the best artists in the world period right so we're going to have like a mint pass we're going to have a thousand mint passes that's going to like almost guarantee you for most most mints if it's a high mint it'll guarantee you a mint so you know that you're in no gas wars we're trying to do everything fair um and then from a artist side you know you have a trusted partner Mm-hmm. And we're going to be able to take you as a trusted partner, help you do a launch, but you're going to keep that level. Like if you're one of the top artists in the world, you can't really drop on OpenSea. No. Okay, not a knock to OpenSea. It's just like, if, if, right. And if like, if you're like Supreme, you don't release your fall line on eBay. No. <laughs> not even StockX, right? Like you got to do it the right way. 
And, and that's, we don't want to be those larger kind of uncurated platforms. And even the foundations and the nifty gateways and the super rare, they're very good. They're, they're curated, but they're, they're curated at an NFT level. And we're talking global artists with global reach and global brands and, and, and some of the biggest names in the space. So it's like, even a super rare foundation or a nifty, it doesn't really match what they want to do. Right. Um, so we're trying to be that for them. Like we're trying to be the Gagosian, the, the MoMA, like we're trying to be this, like the art curator that very big artists can come to and know we'll be a trusted partner to take them into the NFT space and do it well thought to where they'll be happy. The collectors will be happy. And hopefully the general NFT space will benefit from it because now we're going to legitimize NFTs as a medium. Mm. Is, so is, that's really exciting. Can you tell us the name of the platform? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Okay. Okay. Well, you, yet. You, give, you give us a little bit, you know, the things that you're working on. And okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's going to that's gonna be. This is the first, this is the first time any of us have talked about it. Great. Great. So we've got, got a little bit of exclusive. Obviously, we're going to have to get you back on once you've dropped it. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically. Talk about that and, and what you guys are doing there. All right. So um, apart from that, um, industry-wise, away from our, away from obviously PFP projects, what are you excited about? Is there any other industries that you're really thinking like, wow, I couldn't wait for? Yeah. To, to me, I think one of the things that I'm most excited about. Well, it's actually two, and this is like I'm gonna. This is my plug time almost for for Vogue. So like Vogue Miami, which is our next drop. Mm -hmm. um, and we're working on the platform. We're going to drop it on. We're just getting some confirmations and stuff on who we're dropping it with. But um, we're building it to try to be like a utility focused project um, for the city of Miami. So part of it is an identity project. So like if you want to identify with the vibe and feeling of being from Miami and like everything that that portrays, this will be the project for you, right? It's very Miami vibes and focused and the utility will kind of be around that. Um, there's also gonna be a, like what we're hoping and trying to build out is a very local utility feeling. So we partnered with artists and merch brands from Miami. So a lot of the utility will be focused on these, these people in Miami, but we're also trying to find different ways and we're going to continue to find different ways to where it's like, if there's events in Miami, what can we offer to the holders, right? Mm -hmm. If there's certain merch companies from Miami, what can we offer? And it's almost becomes this like membership card for the city of Miami that gets you access to certain things. Um, and I'm just thinking like, you know, Club 11 bought a, a board eight. Well, how cool would it be if every Thursday they said, Vogue Miami holders get in for free. Mm. There's nothing stopping. Like that is pretty normal of a, of a utility for just a normal, like, you know, if I had a very large group and I approached 11 and I was like, I have some big, like, I'm in a big crypto community, right? And there's an NFT event going on in the city. Can you get my guys in for free? I guarantee you'll spend a ton of money. Of yeah. course you'll say yes, right? Maybe 11 is pretty, they don't have to do anything. It'll be <laughs> fine. But like, and they launched their own NFT project, but like, and they should have, they should have called me to advise on it because I don't think they did a good enough job. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, like, so something like that, right? Like what clubs can we get you into? What parties can we get you? Can we get you discounted bottle service? Can we get you discounted this, right? Like, can we get you boat rentals? Like, where's the utility that we can provide? Um, and it's, it's just about like, how much of that can we line up before the drop? And how much are we going to continue to build that in there? So one of the things that I'm excited about is what we're doing with Bogey Miami, because I think that that's a repeatable project. Mm. Doesn't have to be us. I just, I feel like 
I've got, we've got some community members in Singapore, right? And they, that's kind of a project that they're doing. They're doing a project called like Dating 8, which is all about this like dating service around like, oh, if you own an NFT, you get access to dating girl. I, I haven't gotten into the whole thing, but it's like, it's very localized, right? I don't, I'm probably not going to buy that because one, I'm married, but two, like I can't, <laughs> dating someone in Singapore, just, I don't think that would work for me, right? Yeah. A club access to Singapore won't work, but there's enough consumers in Singapore that an exclusive club access would work, mm. right? Um, so that real world utility, I'm excited. You'll see, and sorry if, if the lawnmower outside is starting to get loud, but um, the, the real world utility is gonna start to get stronger and stronger as the infrastructure to check for NFTs becomes like strong. Because it's one thing for me to be like, hey, Baskin Robbins, can you let any Bogu holder get a free ice cream? Yeah. Sure, that sounds great. How do I know if they're a Bogu holder? Well, you'd have to go to their wallet and then, right? There's no infrastructure, right? So I know for a fact that there's like software being developed right now where you can have like your wallet verified on an app. So you don't have to do a Web3 connect or anything like that. And you can just scan a QR code mm -hmm. and, I, and it'll verify that you do in fact own that, that token, right? Once that becomes easy and the onboarding, I can go to Club 11 and be like, dude, if you download this app, you take a picture, screenshot, boom, you know, it's guaranteed, super easy. But yeah. one, the biggest thing that I'm excited for in the real world utility is seeing the the infrastructure be built and the technology be built to where the user experience of being able to check if you own an NFT is very simple in real life. We've got that down on Web3, super simple for a website to check to see if you own a token. We now need to translate that into the real, like into the real world to where someone with a phone or an app can easily check to see if you own an NFT mm -hmm. because and I say this a lot, but what to me, what NFTs and Web3s really like really is, is being able to check to see if you own a specific thing and then giving you a, a catered experience because you own it. Yeah. That's where a lot of power of the utility comes into. It's great to do a Vogu hype collection, right? But when we have our limited edition hoodie, what are we doing? We're checking to see if you own a Vogu and we're going to give you a special thing because you do. Yeah. And that's like the core crux of like what this NFT utility can be. Um, so I'm excited to see what, what we can do in real life that'll allow that process to happen. Um, Cause that just opens up a whole new possibility. I think even going a step further, we I look forward to having the hoodie and having the tag within, within inside the hoodie that gives you access to the club. So you don't even need a phone or an AST. It's just- Yeah, the NFC the hoodie. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be crazy. And I think that's not far. I hate that. It only takes, the, the technology is there. It's just about applying. Yeah, it's, just, it's the purposely building it, right? It, yeah, it's, yeah. And, then, and then hopefully financially incentivizing it so that entrepreneurs can create that stuff and, and it succeeds. But yeah, I agree. I think like that's the kind of stuff that is going to be really, really important for the space to grow. And then I think like, you know, people don't want to hear it because it's scary and it's not as decentralized, but like your wallet is a crazy wealth of data. And when brands realize that they can connect to your wallet and know everything that you own, that's an NFT. And then they can now add that data to whatever they have from your email address or whatever, right? Like they don't even have to get your email address. They now know you're purchasing. So like if you connect to a website and I see that you have a Vogue, I can now cater my, my landing page 
to robots, cater it to techware, right? Like I, I, I can kind of like know who you may be. Mm-hmm. If, I, if you connect and you have a board eight, well, I know you may have disposable income because you own a $300,000 asset, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe I don't show you the bottom of the line Honda. Maybe I show you like Honda <laughs> spec, right? Like, <laughs> and the more things that become NFTs, like if Ferrari, if you buy a Ferrari and you get a Ferrari NFT because you own one, and I go and I connect to an automobile website and they check my web three, they know I own a Ferrari. So now they forget all of the other stuff that's on the homepage. It's going to be all Ferrari gear, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's the kind of stuff that I think web three is going to eventually, as it gets bigger, is going to go to this, like the website checks what you own and then caters the experience for it. And the more things that are NFTs, the more things on the blockchain, the better our experiences are going to be as consumers. Yeah, I, I love that. Um Okay, finally, just rounding it up, Andrew, I want to tap into your mind. Uh, a question that I asked to a lot of my guests is how I want you to imagine 10 years going forward. Mm-hmm. What does your life, or what does the world look like with NFTs uh, involved, NFTs and blockchain? So you wake up, where are NFTs? Where are we using it? Where, where does the metaverse come into it? So just wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you do? And just talk me through your day and how does it look? Uh, I, so I think, so it, it kind of goes into two things. Like one, not everything needs to be an NFT, right? So I, I think that the a world of the future, we're not going to be talking about NFTs, NFTs, NFTs. Let me get this NFT, right? Um, very, very much like we talked about the internet and oh, what do you see the internet in 10 years? Um, I don't like, I don't call you and I'm like, hey, why don't we get on a phone call on the internet? Yeah. Right. It's just like, let's do a Google meet. Right. So I think we're hopefully in 10 years, we don't even mention NFTs. Right. It's like, go to that website and connect and they'll give you this. You don't even mention NFT. You already know it's an NFT. When I buy something and I receive an NFT, I'm just buying that. Mm-hmm. So, Hey, did you get the new wearable for that? Like, Oh, I'm going to pick up the next thing from Fortnite. Right. Oh, I'm gonna I gotta buy my kid the new uh, Lego Epic Game Pass. I gotta buy the new pass because you'll get a bunch of guns and stuff. Or oh, I just I just picked up this gun from Call of Duty and I want to use it in the in the next battlefield. And and you can because it's an NFT. I'm not gonna say it's an NFT, right? I'm not gonna be like oh, I got this NFT from Call of Duty which I'm then able to use in this in the battlefield game. I'm not gonna say that, right? I'm saying oh, Battlefield just added a uh, compatibility with the Call of Duty guns, so I'm gonna use one of those guns tonight. We're gonna test out the skins. Mm-hmm. Right, we're not even going to mention NFTs. That's how it. Sh- if if it gets to mass adoption, we stop talking about NFTs. We stop saying Web three. It's just a part of life, right? I just go to a website, I log in, I connect my wallet, and I can interact with the website based on how they they cater the experience. And I very rarely will I say the words Web three or NFT. That's that's how I feel. If if there's mass adoption, and if I have a career in ten years, we I hope we have mass adoption because then my career will look a lot better. If it doesn't. If we're, you know, yeah, if it's a fad and it goes away, then then I'll probably be doing something very completely different. <laughs> well, I don't I don't think it's gonna be a fad. And I think we both don't think that, hence why we're both here talking about it. Um, so much opportunities, um, it's still a long way to go, but it's people like yourself, myself, people that are here actively trying to build and contribute and build the narrative where the space is gonna go with good intention. Yeah, um, is is we we play we play a big part, so it's going to continue to do that. So um, I for think, ten years, uh, yeah, in ten years, <laughs> so we can come back in ten years and we can go. Maybe this will be an NFT, and we can it just be the on the decentralized platform 
where people right. can buy a piece of history when we talk yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hopefully in 10 years, Bogus is a collector's item and it's, they're, they're fetching amazing prices and yeah. <laughs> All right. So thank you, Andrew, for coming on and sharing your knowledge, talking about Vogue, the great things you, you guys are doing, giving a, 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 a great insight into the NFT space from your experience, positive and the negatives, which I think are so important. <laughs> it's important is you need a balance because not everything's positive because right. you need to talk about the things that are not working so well and how things question things and challenge things for the space to grow to what we hope it to become in the future uh, so thank you for that uh, where can people find yourself and also obviously Vogue collective yeah so uh, our website just uh www.thevogu.io um that's like a good starting point um our twitter i think is the underscore vogu and that has all of our link tree with all the stuff most of our uh most of our like information comes from the discord and our twitter right um we we try not to ask our community you don't have to be in discord every day and talking every day so our discord is pretty quiet but it's it's okay because we're not trying to be that like everyone has to log in and talk in our discord um we want to be the social identity not like the group that sits in discord all day that's that's okay you know if you want to be that feel free but we don't force it on our on our holders and you know trying to force the community um, but all of the information is, is there, all of the announcements. Um, our webtoon is called The Mutts, and it's up on webtoon. Uh, I think it's just webtoon.com. There's an app on your phone called Webtoon. Uh, and then our lore is up on a, a platform called Papyrus, but all of those links are in our social. So if you're interested in just reading the lore, um, definitely check out where our Papyrus link is, and you'll actually have access to like all of the blog posts and things that we put out. Yeah, also the, yeah, like you said, that, that media blog post that you're, I think. Oh, yeah, so the, our, the, the medium yeah. articles are, are up on medium. Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, okay. Well, thank you again, Andrew. It's, it's been, a, been a pleasure. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening, uh, everyone for watching, and everyone stay listening and stay blessed. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys.